say, why are you sitting down? Well, I saw Rod Parsley this morning, and he was sitting down, and he looked good doing it. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll do like Rod. Actually, I'm getting old. I'm 62 years old now. It's easier to sit than to stand up for extended periods of time. I saw Bob Guest yesterday. Uh, I'd gone down to the river to pick up some fresh squash at the fresh market. I'd already done my walking yesterday morning because I don't like walking when it's 100 degrees. I'd rather walk when it's 90. And... <laughs> Bob was walking, he was finishing up, and I, I, he, I, he might have been finishing up. He looked like he was. He looked like he was about to fall over. But anyway, <laughs> and he said, oh, he said, man, he said, my leg and my, my hips hit, hurt me and stuff. Anyway, I said, well, you, you better probably, I said, do you need a ride? You know, yeah. But um, I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm making my point. <laughs> I'm getting older, and so it, it, after you do as much walking and, as Bob and I tend to do probably, setting down is not a hard thing and a bad thing to do every once in a while, but I, I went back after I preached about two months ago and I watched myself, and I don't know if it's because, maybe I've always done this, but it seems like I just to distraction, at least it was distracting to me when I, when I was standing up, I didn't know what, I was just kept moving, like, I was like, I couldn't get settled, and I will come down there in just a little while, because I always seem to be more comfortable on the floor than I am up here, but I, I started several years ago on Wednesday night when I teach and preach, sitting down like this, and it was comfortable, and I didn't have, feel like I had to stand up to, to yell, I can do that sitting down, and so... I, I basically, it was affirmed to me when I saw Rod Parsley doing this morning. I'm like, if Rod can sit down and preach, I can sit down and preach. And so, if you have a Bible this morning, turn with me real quickly to Genesis, the 37th chapter. We're going to read through verse 11, verses 1 through 11. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, and let me, let me say this, a lot of guys when they preach, and I was one of those for years that I thought every time I got behind the pulpit, I have to share some revelation about something that people have never heard before. And part of that was that I did want to share the heart of God in a way that maybe would challenge people in a way they've never been challenged before. And I, I feel like with God's help, I was able to do that successfully. Not every time I preached, though. And then when I, we left Southwest City about 13 years ago, and I found myself preaching to people, it seems like God was bringing things up for me to share that I thought, well, God, I've shared this before, or I've, uh, you know, they know this. And God, just as clearly as could be, said, but they need to be reminded because they're not necessarily doing it though they know that this is what they need to do or they have that truth, yes, but it's like they've forgotten it. How many of you, when you were kids, your, your mom or your dad would tell you, uh, take out the trash, and you'd say, I know, and they'd say, I'm just reminding you. And so you knew... <laughs> After they reminded you a couple times, if they said, I'm done reminding you, 
then that meant a whole different thing. Well, God hasn't told us that yet because he is still reminding us of things that I think we need to be challenged with, that we need to still be growing in the areas of, that we need to be reminded of to help us get through some of the things that we're facing that we've never faced before. And everybody that knows we're facing some things we've never faced before, especially these last several months, say amen. So I begin thinking about one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. You know, somebody that said, who are your favorite characters, men and women in the Bible? This guy is one of the top three. Jesus is number one. But right below Jesus, probably this man named Joseph that we're going to talk about this morning for a few minutes is number two. And then maybe Peter, the disciple, is number three. And I like a lot of others. But those three have just always, well, in Daniel, you have to throw Daniel in there too. Oh, and I like, no, anyway. <laughs> But it says in telling you just a little bit, and I can't be exhaustive this morning because of time, but I want to lay a good foundation for thought, and I want you to get something from the the life of this man Joseph in the Old Testament that I hope will help all of us and challenge. My thought today really is pretty simple. Um, You know, the old kiss note. uh, Keep it simple. Stupid. (laughs) Keep it simple. And maybe they'll have a chance of getting it. Well, I'm trying to keep it as simple as I can today. So you'll walk out of here and you'll say, I remember what Pastor Mark told us. I remember what the Holy Spirit addressed today. I don't want to give you so many thoughts that you, it gets lost in the shuffle. And can I say that? I've, I've been guilty of that in the past. One of the best things probably that I've started doing, and I have to give my oldest son Brock credit, for urging me to begin a start a podcast that I did back during the beginning of COVID. It's called Just a Thought. And my thoughts are about 10 to 15 minutes long at most. Now, when I interview my wife or my sons, those, those episodes have been a little longer. But a weekly episode of Just a Thought that you can listen to on Google or any podcast platform that you might listen to. And they always come out on Monday. Anyway, um, I've, it's Just a Thought. It's not 10 thoughts. It's not 20 thoughts to reinforce one thought. It's one thought. And I thought, God, I should have have learned this a long time ago, but I've had more people that have said, I listen to your podcast, and I appreciate that you share a thought, a thought that stays with me through the week. And that's my hope. And that's my hope this morning, although I'm going to be a little more exhaustive, that's still my hope is that, the things I share, the one thing I want to share won't get lost in the, in the shuffle. So Genesis, the 37th chapter, verse 1 says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. Take note of that. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and, that, and the lad was with the sons of Billa and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. 
And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. He dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee thee to the earth? And his brothers envied him, but his father observed the saying. He didn't necessarily like it, but he didn't totally disregard it because he loved Joseph And I think he saw something in Joseph that he just didn't see in all the rest of his children. Father, thank you today for your word that, God, I know you're going to bless and anoint. And I pray that the thought that you've given me will be a thought that will challenge us in this time most particularly. But, God, as we move forward in the rest of our days, in Jesus' name. As I've said, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Joseph, the Old Testament. And his life, if you studied out, was a tremendous parallel in so many ways to the life of Christ. And in fact, I've heard some theologians say that there was no one whose life was almost a foreshadowing of the life of Christ. And you'd have to study that to see how, you know, everything that happened to Joseph that basically kind of gave you a picture of what the life of Jesus was going to be like in some form. But I'm going to give you the Paul Northern short version this morning. Paul's not here to appreciate that, but if you've ever heard Paul's short version, Paul's short version is way longer than most of the people's long version. When he says, let me just tell you, let me, let me make a long story short, it's already too late. But let me give you the Paul Northern short version. Joseph was the 11th of 12 sons. His parents were Jacob and Rachel. Joseph was loved by his father so much that he was given a distinguishing coat of many colors. God also shared some dreams with Joseph that weren't very well received by his brothers that we read this morning. Because of Jacob's favor towards Joseph and God's dreams given to him, he was literally hated, hated by his brothers. Can you imagine being hated by your own family because God had given you some things, shown you some dreams, spoken to you. Now, I will say this. If there was any fault that you could find in the life of Joseph and you can't find much, maybe he was a little bit, what's the word? Huh? Cocky, that's a good word. A little belligerent, maybe. Just a little proud when he said, God has given me these dreams. And it didn't set well with his brothers. And in fact, because of Jacob's favor towards Joseph and God's dreams given to him, 
He was so hated by his brothers and their jealousy got the better of them that they finally reached a place where they, they were going to kill him. They conspired to kill their brother. But instead, there was an opportunity that came up and they sold him to a group of Ishmaelites who then took him to Egypt where he went through a series of events that landed him in Potiphar's house where he was falsely accused of trying to take advantage of Potiphar's wife. And that led to him going to prison where seemingly he was forgotten by those that he helped that said, when we get back to the palace, we will we'll do what we can to get you out of here. But they forgot about him until a certain time came and, and the Pharaoh had dreams and he couldn't get them interpreted. And one of the, the butler or one of the guys that had, he had helped get out um, told the Pharaoh, hey, I know a guy in prison and he's good with dreams and whatever else. And so he got out and he ended up in Pharaoh's uh, uh, house and he eventually was shown favor. He resided in the palace, became the prime minister of Egypt, which put him into a position to see the dreams that God had given him as a young man at 17 fulfilled, both the benefit of Egypt and his own family, who he showed tremendous forgiveness to despite what they did to him. That's the short version. If you want to really read and get to know Joseph, read Genesis 17 through chapter 30. I promise you it's not a waste of time. It is good stuff about a man that every one of us could look at and say, you know what, I could stand to be a, a little bit more like Joseph was. I, I, I could stand a little bit more uh, tenacious faith like he had. And that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up this morning because you're saying, so what does all this have to do with our message today? Well, I always loved and admired Joseph's tenacious faith in God no matter what happened to him or where he ended up. He literally went through pits and prisons to get to the palace where God destined him for. Let me talk, I'm talking to somebody today and I want you to listen to me. You think you're in a pit right now. You think you're in a prison. That may be the majority of us going through this particular time in our history. We're thinking, God, are we ever going to get out of this? Are we ever going to get, you know, free from this? Well, I, I can tell you, yes, we are. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how long it's going to take. I can tell you this much. It took, it took Joseph seven, at least 13 years, at least 13 years from the time God gave him the, the uh, dreams that he had to the time that those dreams were fulfilled. Now, for some of us, 13 years would be a lifetime. I can't even imagine having to deal with what we're dealing with right now as a world and as a nation for another 13 years. We're already getting pretty worked up about it, and it's just been really four months. It doesn't seem like that. It seemed like a lot longer, doesn't it? But here's what I want you to know today. God has a palace that's still ahead of us. But we've got to stay faithful. We've got to stay true to the course. Amen? Joseph stayed the course. He believed in the God of his dreams and the dreams of his God. But you have to know that he went through times just like any of us that he wondered where God was, what was going on, and why was he having to go through the things he was going through. Anybody ever been there? 
He had to have felt all alone and extremely hurt at times trying to figure out why he was being punished for trying to do right in every situation. And if you read the story of Joseph, this was a good man. This is a man that tried to do what God told him to do from the very beginning. Didn't start off so good maybe in how he presented the thoughts that God had put into him, but he got through that period, paid a price for some of that, but he never wavered. And yet, think about this. If you were Joseph, God had given you dreams you didn't ask him to give you, put you in a place that you didn't ask to be put in, and now you're paying a price because your family hates you, your brothers want to kill you, they end up putting you in a pit. Who does that? Say, so, well, I kind of grew up and I had some really unfavorable siblings and they were kind of like that to me. I doubt that you ever got put in a pit. <laughs> I doubt they ever wanted to kill you. Well, maybe they did. But not like, not like Joseph's brothers. They wanted to kill him dead. And yet, he stayed faithful to God. You have to wonder what went through his mind when he was in that in prison, when he was in that pit, knowing that his brothers wanted to do harm to him. There's so much for us to learn from Joseph's life and his example on how to lean into God for the long haul. And let me say that. Somebody needs to hear that. It would be easy to give up right now facing something you're facing. God's not called you to quit. He's called you to trust Him. He's called you to lean into Him. He's called you to lean on Him and let Him take care of whatever it is you think is really taking you to task. We need to learn how to look at the overall picture and realize that what God, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. And boy, I'll tell you, that's, that was Joseph's attitude. When he talked to his brothers at the end of this whole journey he went on, he said, you meant this whole thing for evil, but God meant it for good. God had a plan. I said, God had a plan. And I'm here to tell you today, somebody again needs to hear this, God has a plan. He always has had. And he always will. And he knew what he was going to do before the problem you and I are dealing with right now ever came up. He knew how he was going to solve it. He knew how he was going to heal it. He knew how he was going to take care of it. We need to trust that. We need to know that. It took at least 13 years for the journey that Joseph went on, which took him from the pit. His brothers threw him in with the intent of killing him to the moment that those same brothers stood before him receiving Joseph's extreme grace, mercy, and forgiveness. 13 years. You had to wonder how he felt in those times that he was all alone in the pit, in the darkness, in the prison, thinking, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, Potiphar's wife wanted him to sleep with her, and he refused. He said, I can't do this against you or against myself or God. I can't do this. 
made her mad and she grabbed a hold of his coat, made a false accusation that he had tried to take advantage of her, rape her or whatever. And he got put in prison for that. Don't you know some of those nights as he lay on his prison bed, he's thinking, God, what? What's going on? Where are you? You gave me dreams. How are they ever going to be fulfilled with me here? And yet he held on to God and what God had told him. He didn't waver. He didn't back down. One of my favorite groups of all time, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Anybody here like Phillips, Craig, and Dean? I love Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Their songs have ministered to me through the years. They just released a brand new CD, first one they've released in several years. And it has a song on it that's the title track, and it's called You're Still God. That's the foundation for my thought today. And that's what I'm here to remind you of today. Just like God reminded me as he began to talk to me about the life of Joseph. And I could see Joseph. When I heard this song, I could literally see Joseph in prison, in, a, in that pit, thinking the words of these songs. I could see some of us. I've thought these words to this song. You know, no matter what's happening right now, no matter what's happened over the course of the last few months, and no matter what is still to come, here's what I want to tell you today. Here's what I'm here to remind you of. Everybody look at me and listen. Everybody that's watching on live stream, stop whatever you're doing and listen. God is still God. God is still God. He's still God. And we can believe him, trust him, and know, listen, that he's going to be right in the middle of what he knows we're going through, and he ain't going nowhere. Let me share the words of the song that I've referenced this morning. It goes like this. I thought I could trust you, and deep down I know I can, but I'm so hurt and angry at this circumstance. Did I miss something somewhere? Did I not pray enough? But with a faith that's shredded, I'll still say that I trust. You're still God when I can't see you. And you're still God when it's hard believing. You're still moving. And it doesn't matter if I know what you're doing or not. You're still God. Feeling crushed by the questions, all the things I don't know. But you hold all the answers. Where else could I go? You're still God when I can't see you. You're still God when it's hard believing. You're still moving and it doesn't matter if I know what you're doing or not. You're still God. You're still God though it feels like you're hiding. And I'm dying here in the deafening silence. Begging for mercy with tears on my face. And all I've got left is a whisper to say, you're still God. You're still God. You're still God. If you're human and you act, feel, and think like most people do, then you felt like those words this song describes. We all get hurt and angry and feel like our faith has abandoned us because of the circumstances we're going through. But in the end, 
in the end, hopefully, along the way too, we'll be reminded that God is still God and we can trust him and know that through, that though it sometimes seems like he's silent and slow and somewhere else, he's right here right now with something to say about what we're dealing with. There's your quote. Write it down so you can put it on Facebook later. I said that last time I preached and Crystal Willis went home and put the quote out there and it's there. She's not here today, so somebody else needs to write this down. Sometimes we think God is silent, he's slow, and he's somewhere else. I'm here to today to tell you this. He's right here, right now, and he has something to say. And what he's saying is, I'm still God. I'm still God, and I'm ready to deal with, you, with whatever you need. I've got salvation, healing, miracles, provisions, and help right here, right now, if that's what you need. Amen. Go ahead. Give the Lord a hand. That's good right there. That's good. Not because I said it, because God said that. So I'm here to remind you and encourage you that no matter what you're facing, He is still God. Everybody say that together. He is still God. Say it again. He is still God. You need to remind yourself of that every time the devil comes and tries to convince you otherwise. When your circumstances get overwhelming and, he, and, and the world gets too big, you just face the devil off and say, you know what? You tell me whatever you want to tell me. I'm going to tell you this. He is still God. Yeah. Nothing's changed. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He is still God. He is still God. He is still God. And that's who I trust. That's who I put my faith in. He's still God no matter how hard it is or how hard it might get. He's still God no matter how easy it would be to give up and think your dreams, God dreams won't come to pass. He's still God. When things are the best they can be or the worst they can be, He's still God. Nothing that happens in your world and mine is going to change that. Nothing. You know, I've had more moments in my life than I can remember that I had to remind myself of the very thing the Holy Spirit is reminding us of this morning. He's still God. I don't know how many times I've, in the midst of something, had to say, Mark, no matter what's going on, he's still God. God's still God. He's still God. The first church that Lisa and I tried out for in Mead, Kansas, called and told us that they had voted for another candidate to be the pastor instead of us, even though... Lisa and I knew we were supposed to be the pastors of that church because God told us, this is where I want you. But circumstances dictated that we tried out. We preached Saturday night, Sunday morning services. Church really responded well. Now remember, we're 22 and 21 at this point. We'd never pastored before. We had no experience God only knows what he was doing to even called us to be pastors at that point in time, but we were just doing what he said. Remember whose life we're talking about? 
Joseph was younger than we were when he gave him dreams and said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to put you in a place where you're going to minister the way I need you to minister to a lot of people in ways that no one else can. And we knew the first time we walked into that little church in Mead, Kansas, that that's where we were supposed to be. But as it were, we preached that weekend. They, they all responded and said, oh, we know you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be our pastor. So we left feeling pretty good, like it's just a matter of time and we'll, we'll be the pastors here. The only problem was before we left, they said, we just, we just need to tell you one thing. There's one other guy that we had already agreed could come and try out and he can't come for six weeks because he's a school teacher and they don't, he didn't have a break until then and so we feel obligated since even though we know you're supposed to be here <laughs> famous last words even though we know you're supposed to be here we feel like we need to let him come and, and at least try out and then we'll vote and you guys will be our pastors so we ended up moving from where we were youth pastors in Periton, Texas, all the way to Wichita, Kansas for six weeks, which is where my parents lived, where I grew up, and we moved into my grandmother's old home, so we had a place to live for at least a, a little while in between. And I can remember we were, there was a, during a convention that we were at, and we were at a Chinese restaurant in Wichita, Kansas, eating a good meal up to that point, and I get a call, and it's from the chairman of the board of this church where this guy had tried out that morning. And he called, and I can remember his words as clearly right now, 40-something years later as I could the, that night that he spoke to me. He said, uh, Brother Mark? I said, yes, sir, Mr. Crossman. He said, I don't know what happened. I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound too good. He said, I don't know what happened, but he said... Uh, they vote, the church voted for this other guy to be our pastor. And immediately, you couldn't, at the, in the moment, you couldn't hit me in the stomach any harder and taking the breath out of me, and yet at the same time, God came all over me. And I said, okay. I said, well, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to try out and for us to even be considered. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I just knew you were supposed to be our pastor. I said, it's all right, Mr. Crossman. I said, God will work it out. Like, what, a week later? Two weeks later, the day that that guy that they voted in was supposed to come and be their pastor, they were waiting, had a, a group of men together waiting to unload his uh, his furnishings and stuff into the house. They get a phone call from him. He says, uh, yeah, uh, we've decided we're not going to come. And they said, well, why? Well, we don't think you can afford to pay us what we need. It was a church of 30 people. It wasn't a large church. He had to know that when he tried out. It wasn't going to be a place he was going to go and get rich. But he left them hanging. And <laughs> I guess he gets a call that night. Uh, Brother Mark, yes, it's, uh, Fred Crossman in Mead. I said, how you doing, Mr. Crossman? He said, I, I don't even know how to say this, but he said, the guy that we voted in called today and said he wasn't coming, and we'd like to ask you to come be our pastor. I'm like, oh, you would? <laughs> 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 I 
Now, now listen, and I, I figured this out. I figured this out early on, and I'm not. I'm trying not to be boastful or you know, like kind of like Joseph had that arrogant spirit about him. But I was 22 years old. My wife was 21. We'd never pastored before. We kind of needed a little bit of a head up. We needed some leverage because we were going to pastor people that were all old enough to be our moms and dads or our grandmas and grandpas. There's no young people in this church. One young couple, and when it came time to vote, and here's what I said to Mr. Crossman. Mr. Crossman, I said, first of all, we knew we were supposed to be your pastors. God told us. Unfortunately, evidently, <laughs> nobody else knew that at the time, although he told you too, but you waited and you went through this process. But that's fine. God had a plan. I said, but here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take another vote. Because here's how they paid their pastors. You got whatever the Sunday morning offering was. You're like, wow, 30 people, mostly on Social Security, <laughs> fixed income. It, there was a cap. <laughs> you know, the first Sunday, I can, first Sunday of the month, usually the offering was about $500. Now, that was 40-something years ago. That's a lot of money. Guess what? By the last Sunday of the month, if... The offering was $50. That was good. So we had to make sure that what came in in the first of the month lasted the whole month for when the bills came in. And so I wanted to make sure that if we at least came, they were going to be supportive of us. We weren't coming to the church that just said, hey, we, you know, the other guy's not coming, so would you come now? I needed to know they were going to support us. And so I said, I want you to have a vote, not on a Wednesday night. I want you to have it on Sunday morning. And I said, it doesn't have to be unanimous, but it better be a strong, strong yes. And so they did, and they voted. There was 30 people who voted. 28 voted yes. Two voted no. The only ones that voted no were the only young couple in the church. <laughs> Later on, I said, I asked them. They, well, they came to us. He became my, my worship leader at some point. He said, do you ever wonder, you know the vote for you guys was 28 to 2? I said, yeah. I said, you ever wonder who the two were? I said, well, I tried not to, but he said it was us. I said, Dale, why? He said, we figured those older people would eat you up and spit you out. You're 22 years old. You've never pastored before. You surely can't know what you're doing. But he said, guess what? I was wrong. We were wrong. He said, God called you here. And whatever God calls, he enables. Come on. When God has a plan, man can do what he wants to. God's plan is going to come to pass. Amen? You want to know why? Because he's still God. He's still God. I could tell you of one thing after another, and I wrote down a lot of things, but here's where I'm going to deviate from my notes and keep my wife happy. You've heard me talk about when our firstborn son, my, you know, we found some knots in his, his neck. And again, this was our first church. He was, how old was Brock? Nine months old. And Lisa was feeling around and she felt these uh, knots in his neck. And, and she said, what, what is this? I said, I don't know. You better take him to the doctor and check. And so she did. And the first thing they told her was, well, it could be leukemia. We'll have to run some tests. Well, Lord... You talk about getting desperate and doing things that we've never had to do before. You know, we prayed before. We never prayed and fasted. But that week, we prayed and fasted like we never had 
before for anything. And at the same time as that was going on, there were some people in the church that were a little unhappy. You want to know why? Because we'd begun to grow. We'd added a number of younger couples to the church, and the older people that were there when we first came got real insecure, thought we were going to leave them behind, and they, and, and they were losing control, and so they kind of stirred some things up. And so on the end of that week, I was dealing with that. We were both dealing with our son and uh, his uh, prognosis or diagnosis, whatever. So Lisa took him back to the doctor on Friday to get the results of the test. I went to this board member's house uh, to talk to him and his wife. His wife had just like thrown all this different stuff out that basically, in essence, they were kind of saying, you need to leave. Because, you know, this church is not the way it's supposed to be, even though the mandate when I came was you can look around and see that we're an older church. If we don't begin to grow and add some young couples, we're not going to last very much longer. So that's what we went to work doing after we renovated the building. It was a 100-year-old building. I feel like the first three years we were there almost that we were contract workers and we were working on the building. So we would have a building for when we started growing, and that's exactly what happened. And we added about 45 young, young people, younger adults with kids, and moved from 30 to 75 in attendance, and this older segment began to get real insecure and kind of wanted us to leave, at least according to this one couple. And guess what? It wasn't everybody in the church. It was just that one couple because they felt like they were losing control. So Lisa and I prayed. We laid it all before God and said, God, you called us here. You're going to have to work this out. And guess what? He did. The things in Brock's neck were just what they call them kernels. There was no leukemia, no nothing. Said he'll probably have them his whole life. He still does. They'll never cause him any problems. The couple called me or when I walked into their house. Uh, she just began crying and apologizing and saying, I was wrong. I, I, I just, and she said it was our insecurity. We feel like, you know, we were being left out, but we know you're doing what God called you here to do. Folks, God is still God. He's the same God as he's always been. And he'll always be. I don't even have time to tell you about uh, when our church in Southwest City endured one of the most unthinkable tragedies any church could ever face. When one of our church members killed her husband. Talk about wondering where God was and what was going on. Lisa and I looked at each other and I, I thought, you know, uh, how in the world could good ever come out of such a thing? But it did. When God, when we didn't quit, and I've told you there were that was, if we've ever wanted to quit the ministry, I wanted to quit then. God said, go ahead, you can. I'm like, really? He said, yeah, you can quit, but I don't think you're going to want to quit now and miss what I still have ahead for this church, what I have planned. Basically, he was telling me, you can quit now in the midst of the pit or the prison, but you're going to miss the palace. And I didn't want to miss the palace. You do not want to miss the palace. Any pit or prison you might find yourself in or dealing with right now, trust me, you may not think it's worth it, but you'll know it's worth it when you finally get to the palace. And not just for you, but for your whole household, for those you love. Seven years to the day that that woman killed her husband, God took us from that moment to the miracle of paying off our life center supernaturally. You want to know why? Because he is still God. When they told us three years ago that our youngest granddaughter was born deaf, we questioned God about why we would have this happen to our family. 
All we have tried to do for 42 years is serve him and do what he called us to do. Remember Joseph? All he tried to do was serve God and be faithful to God. And this is what we get. Lisa will tell you she actually got mad at God and he told her, do you trust me only when you get what you want? She realized right then that God was working things out in ways we didn't understand, but he did. Today, our granddaughter, Collins Olivia, and I should have had Wes, <coughs> excuse me, put up a clip that we taped, or that we videoed last week while we were there, showing her. Um, when I ask her, what's my name? And, and Lisa just, whenever she's with her, she just says, Let's, what's your name? Your name is Collins Olivia Short. What's my name? Lisa K. Short. What's Pa's name? Mark Gregory Short. Boy, she said that, and we have video of it. I'll, I'll throw that up next month. I think I'm going to get to preach again, and I'll show you. Made me so proud. Today, our granddaughter Collins Olivia, with the help of cochlear implants, talks more than her grandmother. And that's saying something right there, buddy, I'm telling you. Somebody here today needs to know and hold on to and be encouraged by what I'm going to say one more time. He is still God. No matter what, he is still God. And we, in these times and all times, as Joseph was, are called to trust the Lord with all our heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all things, whether we understand them or not, whether it's a pit, a prison, or standing as the prime minister of the palace, in the palace. Trust God with all our heart. Lean not to our own understanding, but acknowledge him in all these ways and know he's going to direct our path. He has a plan. Pastor West, come. Give the Lord a hand today. Now, I, I told you off the top, I wasn't here to give you some deep revelation that maybe you've never thought of before. And maybe for somebody that's here, God's spoken to you in a way about what's been said that it has been a revelation that you needed right now. But I doubt that there's anybody in the house today that didn't need to hear at least one more time that you and I have a God that we can continue to trust, whether we're in a pit or we're in a prison or we're halfway to the palace. Because here, here's the thing, folks. Even when you get to the palace, you've got to keep trusting God. You got to keep holding on to Him. You got to keep doing what He tells you to do. You got to keep letting Him be the first and the foremost. But here's what you need to know: is you need to know that He is still God. And how do you remind yourself when I'm not preaching it to you and telling it to you? You remind yourself by seeing, reading God's Word by getting on your face before God in His presence and praying and letting Him by the Holy Spirit speak into you 
over and over and over, I'm still God. I'm still your God. I'm your Savior. I'm your Lord. I'm your healer. I'm I'm your helper. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am all things. And it's not going to stop. There's no stopping place. I know you're in a pit. I know you're in a prison. But that's not the place you're going to end up in. That's not where you're going to be forever. You're headed to the palace. Because I have a plan and a purpose that you may still not be able to fully understand or see. But trust me, I'm going to get you there. So just hold on. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Stay faithful. Stay in my word. Stay in my presence. No, I am still God. Let's stand this morning. Well, I don't know if God's used me or not today. But I hope you've heard what the Holy Spirit has said clearly. And I hope at some time during this week, if something comes up or something continues and the devil tries to come and say, you know what? God doesn't care about you. You're out here all alone. You're hanging by a thread and it's about to cut loose. You need to go a different direction and depend on some different things. Listen to that still small voice that's spoken a word to you this morning and will speak it as loud as you need to have it spoken whenever you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with and whatever you hear the devil trying to say to you that you know is a lie, you hear that small voice say, no, 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 no. I am still God. Trust me. Trust my plan. Trust the dreams I've given you. Trust that I'm not going anywhere, that I'm not taking you with me and know we're going to get there. Can you say amen? Across this room, I want every hand raised towards heaven. Every hand raised towards heaven. You say, oh, pastor, I'm not real comfortable doing that. I don't care. Raise your hand towards heaven because I want to include you and I want to include you that are watching today in your homes or wherever you are raise a hand towards heaven and let me pray this prayer over every one of us would you do that Father in Jesus name the name that's above every name God I pray that the truth we've heard today you would bury it deep down into our whole and our our soul and into our heart and God it would it would be so much at the forefront of our mind and our thinking that God every time the enemy comes against us with any other thought that would try to take a place over this thought it would be cast down this thought would come rushing forward he is still God he is still God I'm not alone I'm not, I'm not out here by myself. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to not get better. I'm not going to not get through this. He is still God. And I'm going to have victory. I'm going to be triumphant. I am an overcomer. I am a conqueror through Christ Jesus.
Lord, that is what you've called and destined for every one of us. Lord, we may face some pits and prisons, but God, it's all on our way to the palace. And Lord, we're going to get there. Now I just ask that, Lord, you help us get there. And, and just give us a new, fresh anointing. If you want a fresh anointing, raise both hands up this morning. God, give us a fresh anointing of your presence, your power. God, that we might, Lord, as never before, know, be reminded, walk in the truth of, we have a God that hasn't gone anywhere. We have a God that's right here, right now. He's still God. And he's got this. It's going to get better. There are better days ahead. There are greater things that are destined for us. In Jesus' name, if you know you're headed to the palace this morning, give the Lord praise. If you know you're headed to the palace, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, tell somebody you love them today before you leave the building. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Amen.